from the Spanish Independent, I'm Alex Whittle, and you're listening to Indie on Air. It's Monday, May 11th, and this week I'm joined by my colleague at the Indie, Simran Tandon, as we sit down with three local nonprofits, Hope Fest, Kids Coming Together, and Athletes for Kids, to discuss how the COVID-19 pandemic has affected their organizations. Our first guest today is Tyler Zangaglia from the Hope Festival, a local nonprofit created here in the city of Sammamish. Tyler, could you tell us a little bit about your organization? Well, what we've created is called the Hope Festival, and the goal of our organization is to run a single-day event every year, which is also called the Hope Festival. And what we do is provide all the tangible necessities, personal services, and resources that anyone in need could use um, at a single-day event in a centralized location. So. We're providing people with everything from clothing to groceries, to hygiene supplies, school supplies, feminine products. Um, we have toys for the kids and books and a ton more. Service-wise, we offer haircuts, dental care. We partner with some local service providers to, this year we plan to do like vision checkups. Um, we've done vaccinations in the past, health screenings, and then resources. So we partner with other nonprofits in the area and agencies to come and set up a table and booth and they provide information on their resources that can help people in the long term with the more specific care that they need. So it's an all-encompassing event. We serve about a thousand people every year at this event. And it's, you know, not only a good way to give back, but I've loved having the experience of opening up the eyes of kind of my friends and my peers for the past six years and and not only showing the issue that exists, but showing that, you know, we're a youth nonprofit with we're entirely youth run and look what we're able to do with just a, a group of friends who want to do something and make a difference. And so that is that is what we're all about. I really like that your organization has helped out a lot of people around the community. This year, though, the Hope Fest was scheduled for the beginning of March. How did COVID-19 impact your event? We had our big event for the year, the Hope Festival. Our 2020 event was actually planned for March 14th, which if you know, we go back just like a month and a half, that one week was really the week when everything just really hit Seattle hard. So yeah, to, to answer your question, the, the biggest way that we've been impacted is that we had to cancel our, our annual event. And you know, at the time, it was a really tricky decision to make because that one week was right before like the, the governor had implemented the ban of events with more than 250 people. So it was really just like, you know, looking back on it, it was in a way kind of represents what we've, what we've done through running this nonprofit over the past six years, which is we're a group of, of youth. And sometimes we've, we've been faced with big challenges and adults and other organizations who, you know, question our work or, you know, are they capable of this? And, um, there's lots of obstacles around the way. And this is one of them. This was a big decision that I didn't feel like I was qualified to make. Like how, how should I know if, if this event poses a, a public health risk, you know, but when it comes down to it, it's into, it's part of being a leader and, and knowing that you need to step up to the challenge and do what's right. And so as a team, that is what we did and ultimately made the decision to postpone, which looking back on it was the best decision um, at the time, it was hard because no one really knew a lot. There were like 11 cases in King County. So we were like, we don't really know. But, you know, it, it was the right call to make for sure, even though it was a tricky one. And So say that social distancing guidelines stay in place for a really long time. How is your organization preparing to adapt? 
That's a really good question. Yeah. You know, it's, it's weird during such like an unprecedented situation like this. It's, you know, it can be easy to get caught up in it and just kind of be paralyzed with like, all right, well now what? And, you know, I, I definitely found myself there for a little bit too. It was like, what the heck do we do now? You know, you, you, you're totally right. Like when it comes down to it, we don't know when this is going to end. We don't know if it will be safe to, to do something. And so it's just about, again, doing what we've been doing for the past six years, which is getting creative with it. And just because we have this little roadblock in the way, doesn't mean that the need has gone away. Um, so what we've been, we've been doing is, you know, like I said, getting creative. You know, we had the Bellevue School District reached out to us about a month ago. Um, and they have a few like coronavirus family resource sites. So they're, you know, they're working to provide food for people in need and stuff like that. And they said they had a huge need for like toiletries and hygiene products. And so we had 300 hygiene kits prepared for our event. But we said, you know what? Perfect. We can, we can get these to you. We had a team of youth meet them at our storage unit. Done. 300 hygiene packs over to people in need. So it's, it's stuff like that. We, you know, we're going to get creative. And again, the most important thing to remember is that the need is still there. And so we're going to do what we can to, to meet that need. Even if ultimately, if it isn't in the, in the form of our usual event, we have a ton of supplies and resources that are there um, that we will, you know, utilize to the best of our ability to, to get to people who need them. Is there anything as a community we can do to help you through this unprecedented time? Yeah, you know, I, I think it's like with any small business, nonprofit right now, um, th the biggest thing is fundraising. Um, and this is not just unique to us, but again, any, any small business is suffering right now, and that includes us. And from, you know, our situation I can speak to has been a lot of unexpected costs that we've incurred, like overhead wise. So we've had, a lot of things that we haven't budgeted for, like having storage units that we expected to be having sold a month ago, but uh, we are now holding all of our supplies in. And so it's like that for, for every, you know, nonprofit, not just us. So I think that what the community can do is what, you know, everyone's trying to do, you know, especially in Spanish, people have, have been doing this, an amazing job of this, but just supporting those local businesses, whether it's going in to get takeout or donating to your favorite nonprofits in the area, that is definitely the best thing that you can do from the comfort of your own home and really does have a tremendous impact during this time. Well, thank you, Tyler, for taking time out of your day to sit down with us. If anyone in the community wants to find out more on HopeFest, the link to their page is in the description. Anyways, thank you again, Tyler. Thank you so much. Appreciate it. We'll be right back. Indie on Air is a podcast that complements the new digital newspaper, the Sammamish Independent, which provides community news that you can use right here in the city of Sammamish, Washington. The Sammamish Independent is brought to you by a team of students and community leaders who are passionate about keeping our neighbors informed about what's going on. Look for the paper as it launches early this June. Hi, Kimberly. Thank you so much for sitting down with us. For those who don't know, you run a nonprofit in the Smemish area called Kids Coming Together, and your organization is run almost entirely by high schoolers. Before getting into how COVID-19 has affected your organization, could you tell us a little bit about your mission? So originally what we did, or what we'd like to get back to, is we had different events geared towards kids in grades three through Eight, and really mostly third through sixth grade was our, our key target. 
And we did different events where we would gather in small groups with high school leaders and we would focus on a community service aspect. So we did a lot of uh, events at the Sammamish Farmer's Market. We spent a lot of time at the Sammamish Animal Sanctuary. We did a lot of Lego sorting and doll cleaning for the East Side Baby Corner. And so they were all in-person events where the high school kids could help smaller groups of kids feel good about connecting with their community and really help them meet new friends. We also just had game nights sometimes where we didn't have a community service element and it was just geared towards some fun time with new friends without the pre-existing reputation you might have at school and the ability to have a high school kid sort of help you make conversation and talk to someone new. And so how has the lockdown affected the way that you operate? So when COVID hit, that pretty much shut us down in terms of our social interaction. And we've tried to, A, focus on the future. What can we do during this slowdown to you know, come out stronger when we're ready? And then two, what can we do in the meantime? So for the first, we're very excited. We have a brand new youth board that we just finished up interviews with. We have 25 high school students who are on board and ready to go and ready to help the organization through the next school year and grow and beyond. And then for the kiddos, the best that we could come up with and still honor the stay home, stay safe and social distancing was to do virtual games. Um, and so that's what we're doing is three times a week, we go online with a couple leaders and some kids and we try and at least distract them from the homework and the mundane day-to-day -day stuff and have some laughs and some positive attention from high school students. It's a bummer to hear that a lot of your organization has been shut down. Thinking about the future, what are you planning to do if the lockdown continues? Well, we're meeting every week with our 25 youth board members, um, and we hope that at least some things will loosen up. So right now, we're trying really hard to respect both the, the law and the theory behind the law, and we're trying to not even do anything that would go against the stay home mandate. Um, but hopefully, uh, we can adapt at least slowly, and maybe we can have everyone make cards for first responders or make cards for senior citizens. And then with social distancing still in place, one of our leaders could pick up those cards, maybe leave them somewhere for four days to make sure that they are safe and then deliver them to the proper recipients. So that would still allow us to social distance, um, but would allow us to do some getting out and about. So you know, we'll, we'll start off small with that. And then as people get more and more comfortable, Maybe we will do things where we wear gloves and masks and pick up trash or wear gloves and masks and replant vegetation or count the salmon or, you know, what other types of community service can we do? But ideally, we're really looking forward to the time when we can sit down and play games right next to each other and help them help these kids, you know, actually make new friends in real life instead of on the computer. Uh, but until then, we'll take what we can get and even smiling and laughing on the computer and meeting a new virtual friend under the supervision of some high school leaders to make sure there's not, you know, scary people jumping on the game. It's what we'll have to do. and We'll just have to make it work. As others in the community are listening, but aren't necessarily high schoolers, what are they able to do to assist your nonprofit? There are two main ways that people can help. 
The first is we always love donations. <laughs> There's a donation link on our website at www.kidscomingtogether.org. And of course, they can also donate through the Lake Washington Schools Foundation page, which has a link both to the foundation as a whole, which of course we believe in, or to our program specifically where the funds would be dedicated for us. So we always take financial contributions or donations. The second thing is we are always looking for adults that want to help. Um, right now, it's just one adult, just me, and I get a little overwhelmed. Ideally, we'd love an adult that would love to take over Sammamish and oversee this group of amazing high school students and help these kids make friends. But even someone who's not ready to do that, we could use extra help with technology. We could use help with someone just coming to the events sometimes. And really anyone that has a love of kids and especially a warm place in their heart for kids that struggle to make friends. If you're willing to help, we'll find something for you to do. Well, thanks for sitting down with us today. We really hope you're able to open up and host more events soon. I agree. Uh, that would be nice. I would like everyone to stay safe uh, physically, but I'd also like to make sure everyone's staying safe uh, mentally. So that's our goal. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you. Hi, Marnie. Thanks for talking to us today. Before getting started, how long have you been with Athletes for Kids? Uh, I have been with Athletes for Kids. Uh, it will be five years this August. And were you a part of the original group that created the program? A good question. I jumped on um, a couple years later. The organization has actually been around for 17 years. So I came in five years, uh, five years ago. So they had been established for a while before that. Nice. Could you tell us a little bit about what your organization does? I always like to start off by saying that when people hear the word athletes, they automatically assume that we're a sports program. So the most important thing that I like to share is that um, we are a youth mentoring program. The mentors in our program are local high school athletes from one of our 12 high school chapters. And they are paired up with a child that has a special need or a disability and a one-to-one -one mentoring uh, relationship. And so um, the sports angle comes in strictly from um, the mentors in our program are athletes. But the children in our program that are mentored are uh, first through 12th grade uh, children that have any sort of special need or disability or perhaps an adverse childhood experience. Everyone's been talking about how COVID-19 has affected them. Could you tell us how your program has been impacted? Bet. So, um, as I mentioned, we're a mentoring program, and that mentoring takes place off-site. It's not at school. It takes place at the buddy's home. And so, obviously, with the shelter in place or being, you know, stay home, stay safe in place, it's prevented our mentors from going and seeing their buddy on a weekly basis, which is really, really... Not, not a good situation in that so many of our buddies, their only contact, their only friend other than their parents is their mentor that they see every week at their home. And so we've had to respond very quickly to make sure that those connections are still happening, but doing it on a virtual platform. And I, would, I can tell you that I think we've been really successful with it. I think we responded um, very quickly, and it's still a work in progress, but for the most part, I feel like we responded and reacted very, very quickly, and it's been successful. I love how you've been able to keep up with your mentorship sessions remotely. How have you adapted your operations? 
Well, um, obviously, it's a staff or a very small staff for just six people, um, one who actually does live in Chicago. But for the rest of us, you know, we're all at home. Um, and that staff element, you know, being not being able to collaborate in person and is, you know, been something that's been a bit of a struggle, but we've, we've adapted with Zoom. The other piece that's been difficult is part of our program is monthly mentor meetings where we meet in person with the mentors at the high school that they go to. Those are great interactive meetings. It's our opportunity to face-to-face with the mentors in a confidential atmosphere, talk about maybe things that they're struggling with or how we can support them. And again, we've done that via Zoom and, and it's been successful, but obviously in person, you can't take away from, from face-to-face contact in and, and real time. And so that's been something that we've had to try to adjust to. And then finally, um, training. We train new mentors uh, anywhere from three to four times a year. And it's a great opportunity on a four-hour training day in person with other mentors and current mentors. And it's a really, really engaging day. Well, we had a list of 30 mentors that were coming through training that we actually had had to train virtually. Uh, And again, it's been successful, but I'd be lying to you if I told you that um, it works better virtually than it does in person. You know, you really, human contact, human connection, being with one another and and being able to share in person is obviously the optimum way for us to want to be operating. If social distancing guidelines remain in place for a while, how is Athletes for Kids going to continue on? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where we're going to go for sure. In fact, I just ended up submitting a grant today to several cities that are offering funding. And and that's what I basically have had to say, you know, the future is uncertain. It's certainly, I don't think for a long time going to come back to how we knew it or know it. And so we absolutely, we are the batch of new mentors that just came through. We're actually starting to match those mentors virtually with the families and we'll continue to connect. We'll connect interviews of new mentor applicants online. Um, everything we can do to keep the, the program running is what we'll do. And if that's virtually, then, you know, that's how, that's how we'll do it. And I, I think as more people get used to the virtual platform, it also becomes um, more familiar. Maybe it's not as frightening or, or, you know, people are like, well, that's kind of the new way we operate now. And I think that'll make it easier as well. Great. Well, Are high schoolers and others in the community still able to apply to the program? Yes, definitely encouraging um, both possible new mentors and buddy families to apply. It's very simple. They go to our website, uh, www.athletesforkids.org. On the very top, you'll see a tab that says request a mentor for buddy families or become a mentor for, for new possible applicants. And I would definitely encourage anybody to take a look at our website. We've got a lot of information on there as well as a current impact story of a mentor and a buddy, just a lot of different information that I think people would find really, really useful. For others in the community that aren't able to mentor, is there anything that they can do to support the program? Sure. I mean, Obviously, first and foremost, as a small nonprofit, um, financially is always fantastic. And anybody that is ever uh, inspired to donate is awesome. However, we also are always looking for volunteers. We do have an auction coming up in, in November, maybe virtual, maybe not, but we need families or interested people that would be interested in volunteering at that. We also offer monthly mentor and buddy events that when we're back 
being able to meet again. We look for people that are willing to help support those. And then finally, you know, for local local businesses, um, you know, would they when we have mentor trainings, we're often looking for people that would be do- willing to donate pizzas or snacks for the the mentors coming through. So again, if you access that website, there's a whole link down there about how you can volunteer and become involved. Well, thank you so much for all the work you do in the community. You've really been able to change many lives through the program. Well, I appreciate the opportunity to share. We have a saying at the at the organization that we're the best kept secret on the east side, and we don't want to be. So um, any opportunity that we get or that I get to share what we do um, and hopefully inspire people to either sign up as mentors or sign up to get a, get a mentor is, is really wonderful. So thank you for having me. I've really appreciated it. Thank you, Marnie. Here's what else is going on this week. The Samaritan City Council allotted $43,000 to fund human services in attempts to help out our local community combat COVID-19. And um, Council, I have asked that um, this come back to the Council with an update at the first meeting of each month so that we can we can track it and keep it um, an update to us of, of where we're in need and, and uh, so we're updated on a regular basis. There is also a Sammamish City Council meeting tonight at 6.30 p.m. You can check out the live video feed on Sammamish.us. In other news, LeBron James is hosting a TV graduation ceremony for high school seniors on May 16th at 5 p.m. It will be aired across multiple platforms and is slated to have many celebrities speak, such as former President Obama, Farrah Williams, Megan Rapinoe, and many others. Also, we would like to congratulate the Seattle Times on being awarded a 2020 Pulitzer Prize for national reporting. In case you didn't realize, all state parks have reopened, as well as the East Lake Sammamish Trail. Make sure to get outside and enjoy the weather while it lasts. Finally, many high school students begin taking AP exams this week. The tests begin at 1pm and last for a shortened time of 45 minutes. As local community members, try to keep this in mind with your noise levels outside. This episode of Indian Air was produced by Alex Woodall, Lin Yang, and Simran Tandon. Our theme music was created by Ben Allwright. Special thanks to Tyler Zangaglia, Kimberly Frutel, and Marty Kurtz for taking the time to talk to us. From the Swimish Independent, I'm Alex Woodall. We'll see you next week.